All right. Hello, everyone. Hello. Once again, welcome to the Portland Podcast Festival. <laughs> Thank you for coming. We're so happy to see all of you. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I'm Greg Nibbler. This is Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. Uh, here on the Mountain Ale main stage for the Portland Podcast Festival, with not your father's Mountain Ale, not your mother's iced tea. And uh, as we've been saying before, every podcast is going to be about 20 minutes, 10 minute break to talk amongst yourselves or go check out a podcast on stage two at the same time. Two incredible bands coming up later on, but lots of, lots of really amazing podcasts. And I feel like Greg might be in one of those incredible bands that's coming up later on. It's possible. It you, could be. You may or may not see me in leopard tights at some point. <laughs> oh, uh, we have to talk about the tights, too. We'll yeah. We'll talk about the tights right. when we go on. Uh, but we have a fantastic show coming up for you right now, and we're just going to hand it off to them. I'm going to say this. One of them is a Portland icon. One is a former nuclear scientist, and one is a Todd. And it is <laughs> Portland at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, we are Portland at the Movies. We are a podcast that takes a look at movies that were filmed in and around Portland or within today's drive or so in case you want to go visit that location. Uh, and we have got a doozy for you that we discovered just last week. So uh, are we ready to get started? Yeah. All right. From the director of Top Dog, Delta Force 2, and Sidekicks, and the writer whose honest-to-God name is Ron Swanson... True story. We watched Forest Warrior, so that means it's time for another episode of Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. I saved the forest from your carelessness. Now I'll save it from your greed. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. I am one of your hosts, Todd Workoven, and with me, as always, is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm doing really well, Todd. Good, and, of course, we are joined with Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Unipiper where? The Unipiper where? He's oh, right oh, here me. in front of oh, us. yeah. Unmasked for once for this special... Special occasion. We originally had planned a movie that Sarah X. Dillon may or may not have appeared in. We still don't know. But instead, we bumped it for one man. And that one man is Chuck Norris. So, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about Forest Warrior? So, Forest Warrior uh, stars Chuck Norris and a group of children. They team up on Mount Hood to protect an enchanted forest from the evil lumberjacks. But Chuck Norris has been dead for more than 100 years and now is a spirit-possessed shapeshifter who can transform into a bear, a wolf, or an eagle. All of that happens. stories. That's the whole movie. In this movie. I actually made a list of everything that Chuck Norris does in this movie. So in lieu of just watching the movie, I can just read this list to bring everybody well, up one of those things will not be emote because <laughs> that didn't happen the entire movie. Okay, so uh, bear with me here. Uh, we have a drop and roll to dodge a bullet. Right. And this is before he gains superpowers. Um, he runs for 40 miles after killing his horse. Yes, uh, the story, uh, the movie opens with it being told of the, the lore of Chuck Norris's character, who is named McKenna. 
Jedediah McKenna. Jedediah McKenna, uh, who lived long ago in the 1700s and uh, ended up being killed and then resurrected. So at the beginning of the movie, we see a flashback to Chuck Norris's character being alive in the 1700s or something like that. 1875, but that's close. It's close enough. Only 100 years. <laughs> Give or take a century. Everything over 50 years is just ba- right. previous. <laughs> so uh, he breaks a rifle uh, with his bare hands. Uh, no pun intended, bear. Um, he also breaks another rifle by throwing it at a tree. Which, and then the gun explodes. And the gun explodes, right, of course. Um, he picks up a wild raccoon for, for no reason. He does. Um, he uses psychic powers to read another man's memories. He does. Uh, he stares into his soul. He stares into his soul, yes. Also known as Forrest Jesus, he brings a girl back to life. He does do that as well. This is all in Oregon. This is our state, you guys. <laughs> Has and anybody seen this movie? No. Yeah. <laughs> you do yourself a favor. The entire thing is free on YouTube. The first thing you should do when you get home is watch Forrest and then watch it for the rest of your life because it is amazing. <laughs> and it then can, go find a copy on VHS because this is the original format. It was direct-to-video. You have to own this. So as I mentioned, this was directed by uh, um, the guy who did Top Dog at Delta Force 2 and a bunch of other Chuck Norris's movie. Coincidentally, he is Chuck Norris's brother. Yes. And so the writer... Wait, Ron Swanson is Chuck Norris's brother? Ron Swanson, no, he's the writer who also did, like, two other movies, one of them being Top Dog and, like, two cool. of them being episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. So this is the... Uh, the, the Top Dog came out th- two years before this and was his last uh, movie to come out in theaters. This was direct to VHS. So this is what he tried to resurrect his career with after being kicked out of theaters? <laughs> yes. When we no longer welcomed into the theater, he tried to force <laughs> himself into our homes. He, he, uh, so for the first... You said that Chuck Norris does a lot of things in this movie, but he also does nothing for almost... We get The first five minutes is slow motion Chuck Norris running through the forest over a crazy amount of, of credits. But then the rest of the movie, during the fight scenes, during everything, Chuck Norris stands all but immobile. And unless somebody gets within the range of his kick, he just stands there. Chuck Norris doesn't need to fight anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a main bag. The the gist of this story is that uh, it it flashes um, back to a group of kids in uh, current time, which was 1996 back then, who uh, have this treehouse in the forest. They like to hang out there, but there's there's an evil logging company who's... uh, Mark, why don't you tell us who who the main bad guy is there? Uh, the main bad guy also was Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. He is Terry Kaiser from Weekend at Bernie's. Yep. And you'll quickly realize why he didn't talk in Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yes. And it, it, his character is, is a very... This whole movie is... is, is crazy. Yes. Crazy. <laughs> so, so what are some of the it's movies nonsense. that this movie took inspiration from, Todd? Well, there's the Goonies aspect because there's a group of kids that uh, are trying to get their land back from evil developers, in this case, uh, deforesters. So there's the evil logging company headed by Terry Kaiser. Uh, okay, so part Goonies. Part Goonies, yes. Um, by the end of the movie, what does it turn into? Well, it turns... Uh, it, to- totally in case we weren't clear, Chuck Norris is a shapeshifter in this movie, and he anamorphs into a bear at one point. The, a bear that talks. He talks. But not only a bear, it's also an eagle, an owl, a 
bobcat and a wolf. So it's kind of like Voltron. Those animals come together to form Chuck Norris. <laughs> they do. So they'll be, they'll be the evil loggers threatening the kids. And all of a sudden you'll see... Uh, a third of this movie is stock footage of animals. So there's the... I think there's five minutes straight of a bear catching a butterfly. I'm yeah, not exaggerating. True, true story. And so you'll see the eagle flying through the air, and then the eagle will turn into a kick. That is Chuck Norris's foot he's, flying he's out. swoops in and nails it. And he appears. I'd like to remind everyone this all takes place on Mount Hood. So Loretta Swit is also in this movie. Hot Lips Houlihan. Hot Lips Houlihan. Remember her? And it is so regretful that that we don't have a picture of this because she is wearing a haircut that is a crime against humanity. It looks like someone put a bowl on her head, like Dumb and Dumber style, and just cut around the edges. And whoever was in charge of that... That poor woman. I mean, they had her on screen a lot. Thanks, Mark. Can anyone see that at all? I mean, it is a tragedy. But anyway, she's in this movie for like five minutes, so it doesn't really matter. And then at the end of the movie, it just full-on devolves into a knockoff of Home Alone. It does. It's very slapsticky, and of course, Weekend at Bernie's guy is very... He... He is trying so hard in this movie because he's the, the exact time of Huber as Weekend at Bernie's. He's falling down things. He's dragged down a cliff at some point, and he is mugging and making faces, and he gets poison ivy at one point, and acting against Chuck Norris, who may as well be made out of balsa wood. He is so uninteresting. There was a description in the movie about his fighting style. Do you have that? He is. I have the quote. So, uh, yeah, the- so, so as this legend of the story of McKenna is being told, um, his, his fighting style is actually described by our uh, ancient wise sage storyteller. And, and, and what does he, he say? Said, he fought the way of the Indian, lunging, spinning, grappling, and twirling. That is exactly what I think when I think of Indian fighting styles. <laughs> Grappling and twirling is not a fight style, let alone the, the Native American fighting style. Grappling and twirling, like Kodos and Kang. Maybe twirling. You're not, maybe you're not twirling. fighting right. <laughs> Chuck Norris is a shapeshifter in this movie. Yep. Are we going there? <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep going back to it. Uh, we left out the, one, the most important thing that Chuck Norris does in this movie. And if anybody in this room has heard of this movie, it's through this one scene. This is when I wish we had video again. But Chuck Norris stops a chainsaw with his bare hands. And when I say bear, I mean human bear, not, not bear. Not when he's bear. a bear. Because he is a bear in this movie. He, yeah, he grabs the blade of of a chainsaw and stops it. As it's yes. cutting down a tree. But he was a hawk first. He saw the chainsaw as a hawk. It's true. He turns into a... He doesn't swoop in right to the chainsaw. He chooses to swoop in about a mile away, then turns into a wolf, and then runs the last mile That's in. True. And then he's Chuck Norris with his bare hand. It is... You have... Just Google it. <laughs> Right now, if I see your phone out, we will I'll, wait. I you will can allow Google it. Uh, Chuck Norris chainsaw gif, and it will be wonderful. So, 1996 is when this movie was made. 1996. Um, you know how I knew that? It had 
every checkbox marked on the, ni- on the 90s movie checklist. Oh, nice. There was a, a group of ragtag kids. Someone gets sprayed by a skunk. Yes. Uh, and there's more than one nut shots. No, there there's are several. And this movie is, uh, you can't really tell by the giant poster, but this is a children's movie. They kind of hide the children at it's, the bottom. That's true. And it's, it's very, I feel like Chuck Norris, all of his stuff, he has to be so straight and clean and, and scrubbed and can't have any faults or anything like that. And, and that whole movie is this. It's just him standing there being completely uninteresting against the people around him. And I think the movie really suffers from that. Yeah. Uh, we started reading over here. We're so talking we, we without found you over here. To, and we're just reading the script now <laughs> since we don't have visuals. Geeking out on the script by Ron Swanson. I want to see what else that guy's done. <laughs> the Would guys, s- there's also a, a bear cub in this movie that, that befriends the group of children in their treehouse. And the bear, every time it did something, it was either laughing or gr- The bear was laughing and grunting and making all these noises. And I looked up the guy who was credited as the bear. And that guy, that guy has been in everything. That guy has done voices for World of Warcraft, Resident Evil, Diablo, Call of Duty, Street Fighter, like every single game that's ever been out since the 90s, he has been a voice actor. So he's the grunt guy? He is the grunting uh, little bear from Forest. As we all remember, he's the grunting forest bear from from Forest Warrior. A grunt in a video game, it's that guy? He's the actual grunt, yes. Would you say that there's a moral to to the movie, to the story? Like what... What is it trying to teach you? What did we learn? Well, it, it's obviously... Uh, the whole gist is them trying to stop the forest from being cut down by these, these angry loggers. And so there's this weird environmental message. And there's also this... I want to say anti-gun, but it is completely not... Or anti-violence, but it is... It's essentially Captain Planet, the movie. It really it's is. It's the live-action Captain Planet movie because the, the kids, you know, the, their power of love, heart, water, air, earth comes together and creates Chuck Norris. That's true. So at, what, at one point when he's flying out of the air after being an eagle, he, uh, he transforms back into Chuck Norris and... Oh, I totally forgot where I was going with that. I was distracted. I was distracted by him dressed in his pelt on the back of this forest warrior box. <laughs> Um, the bad guys call him a 70s uh, evil hippie guy. Yeah, they do. And his, his outfit never gets... He's been living in the forest for 100 years, and there is not a stain on that pelt that he's wearing. He's enchanted. <laughs> he is enchanted. So one of the things we do on this podcast is uh, pay special attention to the specific locations where this movie was filmed. Um, were there any that stood out uh, in, this, in this film? Actually, I thought Oregon looked really pretty in this. There was, uh, they did some in Hood River, in Lost Lake, which is northeast of Mount Hood, uh, Mount Hood, and a place called Parkdale, which is halfway in between like Hood River and uh, Mount Hood. And actually, the only thing that came out looking good in this movie, I think, was the Oregon scenery. It was gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, was, yeah what, uh, great cinematography. For, for a Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> for a Chuck Norris. Yes. Uh, the one place I want to go, so um, the, the center of town, there's a little uh, like country store. Um, it's where everyone seems to gather, and it's where the kids uh, leave on their journey up the mountain from. Um, but it's actually a real store in Hood River. It's still open called the Apple Valley Country Store. Oh, nice. Anyone here heard of that or been there? And yeah, a couple of people. <laughs> well, that's where this <laughs> was filmed. Seen in, uh, As seen in Forest Wars. Little did you guys course. know, you were in Portland movie history right there. 
So we did mention at one point the main the main girl uh, that is in this. Uh, we think at one point she's been killed in an explosion, or which I guess she had because Chuck Norris brings her back to life with sure. the spirit of the forest, right? Yeah, she's truly dead. And so, she, so my question is, it's the same thing that happened to Chuck Norris. He died and he was inhabited by the spirit of the forest. So is that little girl now an ever-living forest zombie that has to spend eternity with Chuck Norris? Uh, that's a good question. That is harrowing. I had that same question. Does she get the morphine powers? Oh, maybe. Maybe she's a different set of animals. Maybe there will be a sequel. It was a backdoor pilot. <laughs> <laughs> they were hoping for the franchise. Yeah. The cinematic universe, Forest Warrior. All Chuck Norris movies are connected. I'm sure that someone has uh, thought of that on Reddit. So uh, we're almost done. There's so much to talk about in this movie. At one point, the kids are the ragtag group of kids are sabotaging the vehicles of the uh, the loggers that are trying to get uh, cut down the forest. Um, and there's a scene where they steal one of the walkie-talkies so they can communicate diehard style with the loggers. And one of the little kids starts playing this terrible knockoff summer song that they obviously didn't want to pay rights for a real summertime. song. Yeah, and so summertime. Fun he's, playing, summertime. he's playing this over the walkie-talkie and all of the loggers hear, the, hear this. So th- it was a plan. So the loggers were going to cut down the trees and this was their idea to get them to stop cutting down the trees. If we play music, the loggers must stop what they're doing and dance. And it worked. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. With their chainsaws. The air guitar with chainsaw. They are standing on True their story. equipment. They are dancing. They are... One guy's doing the King Tut. It yep. was crazy. In the middle of the woods. So I was busy writing down my astonishment at that scene, and that is immediately followed by the, him stopping a chainsaw with his bare hands. And then that final scene of him morphing into an actual bear that talks. That's how this movie ends, is he morphs into a talking bear. And his voice drops like an octave. It's, it's Chuck Norris. Like, his voice doesn't need to drop an octave, but it does. <laughs> oh, well, no, I guess that's not exactly how, the, how, the, how it all the way ends. It ends uh, with him finding his lost love which is the Native American woman that he originally married in the 1800s or whenever he lived. She right. appears as a, uh, out of nowhere and walks off to him uh, with him in the distance. So if he is supposed to be the spirit protector of the forest, why does that role get to go to the white man, and why can't it be the Native American? Was he was do- yeah, he was donated the land when he was married, he said, and so he's... <laughs> Chuck Norris is protecting the, uh, the Native American land on their behalf, I guess, as the noble white man can. So anyway, we are almost out of time. Yeah, Anything I think... Anything else uh, that you guys want to add? I, I really want to do this, Todd. Um, every, when I saw it in the movie, I knew exactly this had to happen. So uh, the, the group of kids in the movie, they call themselves the Lords of Tanglewood. Tanglewood was the made-up fictional town where this movie takes place. And uh, kind of like the Goonies never say die, well, the Lords of Tanglewood say something too. And they say it all together. So I want to get everyone in the audience here. I'm going to teach you. You're all going to be Lords of Tanglewood by the end of this podcast. So... Uh, I'm going to say this a couple times. If you were worried you wouldn't have to say an oath before you went home, we're saying an oath. We're, yeah. we're here to save the forest. So listen, internalize, and then we're going to say it all together three times in a row, because that's what they do. Okay, so we, we ask, ask you, you to, to leave it, it pure, pure as, as found. We, we are to it forever, forever bound. bound. All right, again, we, we ask, ask you to leave it, it 
pure as found. We are to it forever bound. There we go. One more time. Every, oh, one more time? Okay. We ask you to leave it pure as found. We are to it forever bound. Everybody now. We ask you to leave it pure as found. We are to it forever bound. We ask you to leave it. We could do this for 20 minutes and just call it the Forest Warrior Podcast. I think we accidentally got stuck in a loop there. It was like an <laughs> echo chamber. Uh, well, that does it for this episode. Sadly shortened, we'll have to revisit this at some point because there is so much more to talk about. Like I said, it is free on YouTube, so go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, Mark, where else can we hear you? Uh, you can hear, uh, hear us at PortlandOfTheMovies.com, and uh, Todd and I are in a podcast that the Unipiper visits each week called the Mark and Toddcast, uh, but you can listen to us on the Fun Employment Radio Network. And- yes, and Brian, if people want to find out more about the Unipiper, what can they do? They can point their web browsers over to unipiper.com and be sure to check out the Unipiper store. And I've also got Unipiper merchandise in the merch table tonight. So come buy my stuff. Shameless plug. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Thank you for the people who put this on. This has been amazing. It's been fun. Thank you so much.